Trauma isn't what happens to you, it's what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you. I was living that. I could see that the events that happened in my life, the circumstances had an impact, but that really the cause of my suffering, what was going on in the inside, yeah. and that I had the power to choose. Hello, and welcome to the Healing and Dealing Podcast. I am your host, Charlotte, and I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Through a trauma-informed lens, we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Healing and Dealing. I'm so honored and excited to have Kelly Carpenter with us today. Kelly is no stranger to mind, body, and spirit awareness. She first started practicing transcendent meditation at the age of six. Wow. Kelly is now a Chopra Center Certified Transcendent Meditation Instructor, Conscious Relationship, Uncoupling, and Parenting Coach and Conscious Connected Breathwork Facilitator, Mentor, and Trainer. Kelly's also a published author and has professionally studied with Gaber Mate. That is amazing. I love that. And is the founder of both The Other Side of Average, Therapy for the Soul, and The Tosa Method. Is my saying that right? Yeah, okay, perfect. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Kelly has trained and mentored and guided over 100 breathwork facilitators and organized and supported five breathwork retreats, graduation training events. Wow, your, your resume is outstanding. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming on to my podcast and being a part of this journey that I'm on. And with all of my listeners, I know they're going to get so much from this conversation. So thank you. Yeah, I'm really honored to, to be here. So thanks for Absolutely. the invitation. <laughs> yeah, so let's just dive in. I feel like, you know, there's going to be so much to talk about before we pressed record. We already had a few things popping up, but I really, I'm always so curious, you know, about you and what led you to this, you know, beautiful journey that you've been on. And like, as a child, where were you at? And, you know, kind of like a little bit of a background story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I often say that my mom brought me to meditation at the age of six and I meditated just because I was told to meditate. And, you know, some people have this imagined idea that my mom was maybe some guru and she was really, you know, holding this special mm -hmm. space, but it was actually quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, she was struggling. She was struggling through really dysfunctional marriage and the ending of it. She was a young mom. Um, and she had, yeah, her own internal struggle. So my mom was, you know, later in life, we used to talk, um, she used to say it was like her Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. So I really got an opportunity to experience what love was because my mom had an amazing heart. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, when she loved she, you know, you really felt that you, mm -hmm. I really felt held and loved by her. Yeah. But on the flip side, she was also you know, it was mean and manipulative and dysfunctional aspects of parenting. So, mm -hmm. you know, as a child, it was confusing. Sure. And I am, you know, really thank, I, I thank her every day for bringing me meditation because mm -hmm. what it did is it afforded me the ability to see that I wasn't the circumstances that I was experiencing sometimes on the outside, mm -hmm. you know, like much of that old clinical approach or, you know, idea and the beliefs that we, we take on that we are what happened to us, or we are the worst thing we've ever done. You know, yeah. we are broken. And I could see that I wasn't because I had that connection on the inside, what meditation gave me. Mm -hmm. And yet I was still living in the struggle mm -hmm. of it. You know, I could see that I wasn't it and I was still reliving, you know, these experiences. Yeah. And, you know, I often use 
Gabor Mate's quote, and it's trauma isn't what happens to you. It's what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you. I was living that. I could see that the events that happened in my life, the circumstances had an impact, but that really the cause of my suffering, what was going on on the inside and that I had the power to choose. And so even as a teenager, I didn't know that it wasn't normal to witness our thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> or to, you know, to have that witnessing awareness. And that I would say, oh, I can only hear myself think for so long and I need to make a change. And it was this ability to witness these, this pain that I was reliving in, mm-hmm. you know, the thoughts and in, you know, and experiencing it even in the body. And yet I wasn't supported around me with how do I free myself from that? Right. You know, the cause of my, my strife isn't really outside of me. It wasn't really what happened is what's going on in the inside. So mm-hmm. how do I integrate that? How do I set myself free? Yes. And so when I was 19, I went to a counselor on my own cord. You know, what do we do when we have this awareness? <laughs> we go seek somebody to help us mm-hmm. integrate it. And I went to see someone and she saw me as my story. And That's I was like, oh, this doesn't feel good. You know, it was like buying into my victim narrative and, yeah. you know, my, my pain. And, you know, obviously we all need to be held in our wounds. We need to be really seen there. Mm-hmm but not from a place where we want to stay there. Right. And so really it was at a young age of setting me on a path because I went back for a second appointment and I was just like, this doesn't feel good. This is yeah. not my path. And, and so it was, how do we free ourselves mm-hmm. from the struggle, from the suffering, from the beliefs, from the pain that we're holding, from these fragments that, you know, and, and right. shutdowns and that we most people in the world today have had an experience of in some capacity. Yeah. That's already so interesting. And you're already, you're only at 19 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing that you had such a deeper self-awareness at a young age, you know, because I mean, for me, I don't know about other people, but that's came, that started coming around like 25, 26 in that area. When I started thinking like, huh, I want to change some of this stuff, you know, going on. Like I still wasn't quite there yet, but that's when I started seeking therapy and trying to understand myself better. Um, I'm sorry you had that experience though, the first time, you know, after that. So what did it, what helped you after that? Well, it was just my curiosity Mm -hmm. of, you know, exploring, Mm -hmm. you know, different things like, you know, when I was I, I was also at, at my mom became a, a mom again when I was 14 and then oh. 18. So when I was a teenager, my mom was amidst having young kids. Your mom, you know how busy that is. Mm-hmm. And so wasn't really there and able to hold me the way, you know, right. I, I might have needed or uh, definitely wanted. <laughs> and with that, that struggle that I noticed that was going on the inside, you know, I, I essentially ran, uh, you know, like we all, you know, either do one or the other, we stay there mm-hmm. for a little bit, or we, you know, I need to get away from this. So mine was to get away and move yeah. to a different city. And so by the time I was 19, you know, when I did go see that counselor, I was living, I was working, I, you know, I kind of brought myself into the corporate world and achieving and, you know, doing the, the working up the ladder kind of Mm-hmm. success that you know you're told is gonna yeah. create fulfillment alongside of that natural curiosity that I had. So taking some women's self-esteem courses and you know different you know martial arts um, mm-hmm. to just help in that personal discovery. Yeah. And that was really my path for a while until I was about 25, 19 to 25 achieving a lot in the corporate world but my health said enough i was working long hours mm-hmm. i was eating crappy mm-hmm. foods as i was traveling and yeah my it was really my my health that supported me or my body that said no hmm. our issues in our, t- our tissues and our body has so much to share with us and you know, my yeah. body was like, yeah, this isn't the path. So that was, that was another really critical point for me. And at that point, my mom had also, you know, decided to do some deeper personal development work. 
And we ended up going together to you know, really intensive somatic processing inner child, you know, sort of work. It was a 10 mm-hmm. month intensive program. Wow. And and then I think from there, yeah. the rest is all just history. Cause that was that one piece that really helped free me. So the meditation mm-hmm. gave me the awareness. It gave me, you know, this certain understanding. It gave me a connection to a knowingness inside of me, yes. but that kind of somatic integrative process type work is what really helped free me from those stories, from those attachments. Um, that's beautiful. How was it doing it with your mom? What, like how, what was, did you see her like go through anything during that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really in, in very, very intensive work. And so it was supportive for both of us to witness each other. Yeah. There were some processes that you know, she went through in this, I remember this one particular one, because, you know, the work that the type of work that we were doing is like, even within a large group is standing up and doing inner child work or, Mm -hmm. and she was doing a a process around witnessing me when I was young. And the, what she said is the light or the grace in me scared her. So she tried to beat it out of me. Wow. And so like this huge healing and um, give me the chills. Yeah, forgiveness and liberation that came through. Yeah, this this really intensive process. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you guys got closer after that? Did it? Yeah, yeah, oh. a lot. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm so glad you got to experience that with her. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's something I I've actually been looking for some type of in-person retreat like that for my mother and I to go to. Mm. I just feel like those when you can open up all of that and and in one of your reels you were talking about how like your mom held so much like pain and that's really what the barrier was between you guys. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel the same way. I feel the same thing with my mom. So there has yeah. to be something to break that barrier for us to be able to actually have like a beautiful deep relationship that we know is there and we have so much love but there's like guilt and there's pain and there's, you know, regrets and all of these things that she has that's blocking her from actually being able to be loved and to love me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I so hear you in that. And yeah, from that reel that you mentioned, you know, there was, it it was before the work and I, I remember visiting home and, you know, just witnessing her one day in her suffering and in her struggle and the guilt and the shame and the pain, you know, by this time, my, my two sisters were six ish around. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're three years apart, but Mm -hmm. somewhere around those younger, younger ages. Yeah. I just remember witnessing my mom and realizing how much she was holding Mm. and how, you know, those stories of pain and her, her memory of, you know, the places where, you know, she couldn't show up for me as a young child haunted her, Mm, you know, the shame that she felt and the pain that she still held. And they were such a barrier. And I remember thinking, ah, like, I love you, Mm -hmm. like, regardless of that, you know, and you hear stories all the time, even of, of children that, you know, I wasn't, you know, we could go down a whole rabbit hole of, of <laughs> you know, what really is the terminology or the, the definition of abuse. I was abused maybe in some cases, but I wasn't like my mom, you know, that whole idea of beating me. It was just the hitting and the things that were also just sort of normal in the seventies for right. much of the population. And I was just like, you know, I love you. Like imagine yeah. the relationship that we could have if you were able to let go of that pain. Yeah you know, to free yourself. And in those, you know, the process work, she had let go of a lot and it brought us closer in many, many ways. And she still was holding pain. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I'm curious. Your how was your mom's childhood with what was her relationship like with her mother? The depths of it, I'm uncertain, but I, she, she was a one of six kids and my grandmother's house was a place for many. Mm, I've never yeah. been to a funeral where I've had so many witness, so many people get up and talk about, you know, the impact that my grandma had on many. 
And, you know, I think some of it, I I don't know some, my mom passed away in 2019 and there's some questions that I wish I had asked her, you know, about more of her, her teenage years and younger years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so it was a really close family. We had many family gatherings, you know, every month, 30 people at the table, you know, because my grandma was like, let's bring, let's bring community together. So I actually really had such a great experience of an upbringing with family around, even with my mom in her. Did she have mental health issues? Or well, I, you know, my, my, I remember my grandma one time saying, Kelly, you don't understand what it's been like to raise her. Oh, wow. And, you know, in my work, I, I really talk about mental health just from these unconscious wounds. To me, that's all it is. I know that there's many labels out there that some people really find solace Mm -hmm. in because it's like they get seen in some of those. Yeah. But I, in the work that I do, which is like kind of this realm of trauma and consciousness and where they intersect. And ultimately it's just this part of ourselves where, where we haven't felt safe or, you know, Mm -hmm. this connection within to something bigger than ourselves where there's a fragment, Yeah, you know, and with that then becomes behavioral mental, emotional, and behavioral patterns, mm-hmm. which can be then classed as right. labels, okay. not to negate them, but just that's, I just, you know, sharing some of my thoughts around it. Yeah. And so when we go deeper into the root, mm-hmm. you know, like some of our original trauma and our, our core trauma and the needs that were met or unmet and really work from there, then the behavioral patterns change. Right you know, how we show up in the world changes because it's similar to that idea that I wasn't my story, mm-hmm. right? You know, people aren't their patterns, aren't the behaviors on a soul level, mm-hmm. you know, that, that person an individual felt really connected and whole and that lives in the center of all of us. Naturally, the behavior would change. Right. I feel like that's the ultimate goal for me is to come back to wholeness, you know, and just exactly what you're saying. We aren't our stories. And and I I think that's so beautifully said. So thank you. Yeah, it just reminded me a little bit of your mom kind of reminded me a little bit of stories I've heard from my husband and like his growing up with his mom and some mental health issues that she had. It just sounds a lot like it. And that's why I asked that. So yeah. You know, my, my husband of 18 years, you know, was really similar to my mom and that Jekyll and Hyde, Mm -hmm. you know, the times that he was more, you know, here and present and conscious, you know, there's a lot of absolutely fabulous moments about our family, about our marriage and, you know, and yet the times where he would dip into that more unconscious pain, you know, wounded mm-hmm. place just got to the point where without, because he made a choice to not get support. Mm-hmm. So even though we wanted the same thing out of our marriage and out of, you know, what was possible for us together, you know, he never chose to do the healing work. Wow. Yeah. So those unconscious places really impact. And if, you know, from a, you know, looking at behavioral patterns, he could be labeled as borderline personality or a number of different, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sort of mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Labels. Right. And, and really it's just this part of him that is carrying pain. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. And I think for men, sometimes it's a little harder for them to let that go and like, do that healing work from what I've seen. Are you still together? May I ask? No, no, you're not. It, okay. it finally, cause like I, even at the beginning when we, when we married, I could see that I had already done all of this yeah. you know, development work. And so I could see the wounds that he was carrying, but I, I asked him right at the beginning, even before we dove really into the relationship, like how willing are you to do the work? We met at a personal development workshop. Oh, wow. And um, he said, yes, at, 
at that point. And you were married for 18 we, years. Yeah. And we really wanted the same thing. And it was about, let's see, it was about uh, 10 years in or nine years in that I said, you know, we're not going to make it unless, you know, we get some help mm-hmm. with, with this, unless you do some work. The desire was there because again, we wanted the same thing, but it got to the point where, you know, I couldn't, it, it you know, his words, anything. we've talked about this. We even, you know, spoke like a few days ago, you know, like the proof is in the pudding, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter how much I know that we're on the same page in reference yeah. to that. And you want the same thing. You either do the work or you don't do the work, you yeah. know, and get the support or, or, you know, don't get the support. And, you know, I've, I've asked him over the years, like, you know, why, you know, when, when his family and our marriage was the most important thing to him, you know, right. like he really. Did he give you an answer? Yeah. He, it's just that he, he doesn't know why he didn't choose, but he didn't choose, you know, and, and, you know, every day he has regrets of what he what was lost as a result of him not choosing. How long has it been since you guys separated or divorced? Or... Yeah, we we ended our marriage in 2018. Okay, so there's been some time. Mm-hmm. Have, has he still stayed in the same kind of he mode? Still struggles. Okay. He still struggles with his, you know, emotions. Yeah. With believing the thoughts that, you know, he's thinking with his attachment to the pain and the story. It's... Mm-hmm. So interesting, Kelly, how you you just explained two like monumental relationships in your life and they mirror each other. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's but like you've had to navigate all of this. I can only imagine the growth and like the real like, I don't know, there's no other word for it besides grit in my head right now. Like yeah. <laughs> you've had to overcome, you know, having to manage not only your emotions, but other people's and mm-hmm. like like rock the boat like you've said you know what i mean i commend you like you you've been through a lot and no wonder you are so educated on all of these subjects and i'm so interested also to see more about the breath work and like how that helped you break free from all of this and and you know Mm -hmm. now after your mom passing and within a year of each other you you ending your marriage like what has happened since then like what kind of growth has happened Mm -hmm. Really great question. I mean, I, I haven't stopped growing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was really, for me, before becoming a mother, I knew the kind of mother I wanted to be. So yeah. diving into removing, you know, or at least to a great degree, the mm-hmm. blocks, really redefining all those things that define me, really deepening my healing yeah so that I because I I had that ability to see as a child and I knew what love felt like and I knew what love didn't feel like Mm -hmm. and I was not willing to bring children into the world without really coming to a different place myself and so you know it's probably one of the things that you know outside of just being the change Mm-hmm. you know, doing the work for, for me, it would be my, my greatest dharma or, you know, my, my gift is the, the parent that I am. And I have three children and my eldest will be 14 next month. And, and then have a, and that's a, a boy, um, mm-hmm. Corbin and then Dakota, he'll, he's 21 and Gaia, my daughter, she will be 19 in November. And so, you know, they kind of had an upbringing similar to me, only I had that Jekyll and Hyde in one parent. Right. And was, you know, a single parent. She was married three different times. So many times it was just her and I. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and my kids, you know, had their own experience of trauma through, you know, their dad and some of the deep dives that he would, you know, go through in his mental, emotional instabilities. And really after my mom's passing and, you know, my husband, you know, our, our, you know, ending of our marriage, it was me just being in a place of really supporting my kids through their own unraveling of Mm -hmm. some of those places in their past. So we were all still living together. And of course, then COVID hit and that 
that kept us all living, um, the three kids and myself. And so it's really been an absolutely incredible journey more for the four of us. Wow. You know, in that, that, that healing and releasing some of what that was for them. They, my kids all do this work. They were raised right from young with meditation, breath work, inquiry, all the teachings. And so they have a lot of awareness themselves and they Mm -hmm. were still carrying some things. So it's been a a really beautiful journey for us. And it really feels, ah, especially in this last year, just quite free. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. It's like a releasing of a lot. You yeah, know, my children all come, you know, you're talking about the retreat for you and your mother, my my children attend my retreats, I hold two a year, That's called so cool. awakening through trauma, which are really that deep, immersive experience. And, you know, they, they attend those. That's well. so cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wish I would have known more about all of this, you know, deep healing work when because I have older ones as well that are 21, 19, and 17. And they're they're like, mom, what are you doing now? Like, what is all this stuff you're talking about? They don't, they're, they're still trying to understand it. They think it's cool that, you know, I'm on a new path and I've changed so much for the better. So they really love that part. But my eight-year-old daughter and my three-year-old son, I'm really trying to implement some of those things, mm. especially with the breathing. But my daughter just argues with me. She's like, it's not working. I'm like, you're not giving it a chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, just, it just happened that boxing earlier. I'm like, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. I'm trying to teach her. And she's very just, she thinks she knows it all. You know how little girls can be. And right. when it's the only girl, it's even worse because she thinks she's just the queen of the house, you know? Right. And how old is she, did you say? She's eight. Eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's my mm-hmm. little mirror. Like I was kind of talking to you before we have four boys and she's the only girl so wow yeah she's and then my youngest is very much like very attached to me we have like a really strong tight bond my husband doesn't always love it because my my son won't like hug him or like they he's working on trying to have that close connection with him too but if i'm around it's like he's just glued to me you know Mm he's he and my husband blames that on breastfeeding for so long, but I'm like, what? It can't be it. No. <laughs> I'm like, we just have a really strong bond, you know? And it's crazy because I had a, I, my hardest pregnancy was with him. I was, I struggled a lot with depression during that pregnancy and just, I was not planning on having another child and I was ready to get my career going. And it was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this all over again, you know? Right. So yeah. it was it was a really difficult pregnancy and and um his personality kind of shows that he's a little bit more like anxious than mm-hmm. my other children and a little more I I wish I would have known much more <laughs> about right. calming my nervous system and breathing through things because I would have done things a little bit differently, you know. Yeah. And you know, I I often say in in working with mothers that you know, things, well, I mean, just in general, us as, as humans, we, we regulate our nervous systems off of each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you already mentioned with him and, you know, more in the, the utero is things are imprinted vibrationally, you know, even how the, the anxiety or stress that you might have been experiencing, they, they do Mm -hmm. experience as you, you know, already alluded to. And it's imprinted vibrationally in the womb, emotionally, you know, in the first few years of life, you know, zero to to seven, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, seven to 14, it's more mentally, and then like 14 to 21, more physically. And here we, you know, become adults and Mm -hmm. think that we're, you know, an actual adult in the world, and we're just imprints from our childhood. Yeah. And it's, some one of the questions I get asked most from parents is, "Is the damage been done? Is it too late?" Oh my god! And I, I think can that all the time. Yeah, and I can say with an absolute resounding yes, it's possible. Like it's mm-hmm. not too late. You alluded to, or I did when I was, you know, nineteen or twenty, and looking at my mom. If your mom at this age all of a sudden became more conscious. 
right. more aware, was able to let go of some of her pain on the inside mm-hmm. and her nervous system was regulated. How would that impact you? Yeah, that's so, so true. It's definitely not too late. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. If, if my mom did, she actually made a statement to me. She was like, I've done all the healing I can do. And you know, that's a very defensive person talking who's got their wall very high up. And I just felt kind of sorry for her in that moment because I want her to experience freedom from that pain that she holds and and to actually feel love. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that's our ultimate purpose is to love and be loved without condition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and we all have so many barriers to that. To yes. And I think that like she sees the work I'm doing and she listens to my podcast and at first she'll probably listen to this one, but you know, this hopefully will show her how much I do love her and how much I want for her. We live together. So, I mean, she's just upstairs right now, but there's still, you know, there's just, there's a wall up, you know, and I know, I know it's that. So maybe we'll be at your retreat, Kelly. That would yeah, be awesome. <laughs> the next one's in January. Yeah. Oh, it's January. coming up. Mm-hmm. That's in Mexico. great. In Mexico. I, I meet with a spiritual coach, I guess you can call her. She's like, does many, many things, but her name's Melanie. She recommended, she's like, you need to go on a retreat with your mom. Like, it's going to be so powerful for both of you because she read my mom and she read me. So that's on our list of things we need to do. You know, like that right. would be amazing. She got very upset with my first like story episode about my life because a lot of it had to do with the trauma I endured with her you know Mm -hmm. and she was really mad for like a week and she didn't say anything though she's very passive aggressive or you know she's upset but she won't say it and then it came out and she's like didn't like the way I told my story and I'm like mom this is this is what happened to me and it's it's nothing against you and I even you know when I talked about her addiction and how it impacted me. I always said like, we still had a great bond. We still loved each other. And mm-hmm. like, I never, that's why I was so shocked when I found out at 12 years old that she was an addict. Cause I was like, there's no way she's superwoman, you know, yeah. like I, I wouldn't believe it, but yeah, she was really defensive about that. And then weeks went by, she started to soften a little bit. And she said to me in the car, she's like, maybe I'll come on your podcast sometime. And I was like, what yes of course and she was like i really want to talk about my childhood and the generational trauma that's happened and i was like oh my god mom you are speaking my language like let's yeah because that's where it stems you know and and that's what i was going to say is like we don't understand what our parents went through you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so that's why there's so much forgiveness there i think Mm -hmm. and from my perspective but yeah she she had a really hard childhood not a lot of love a lot of fighting you know domestic violence alcohol so i mean when you don't have the tools what do you expect when you have kids and you know it's like absolutely right she did the best she could with what she had i truly believe that yeah i i truly believe that about my mom as well yeah, uh, I think she has a lot of more years left in her. So we need to we need to make this like the uh, best well, relationship we can, you know. Yeah, I I'd love to have you both. There's one of the one of the workshops that I do. So in the in the five days, twice a day, there's a three hour block where we do really immersive, you know, process work, mm-hmm. you know, inquiry, um, and we always end with a breathwork session, which is a very somatic. Um, mm-hmm. process that allows us to release things cellularly mm-hmm. and so there's two of those a day and one of them is you know some deep forgiveness work some there's some inner child healing work there's yeah. a healing the mother wound where we really kind of explore some of that so yeah it's yeah easy. I think both of us need that because she even talks about how when she did her work through addiction she did the 12 step program, you know, that's what worked for her, changed her whole life. But when she got to the step about like her childhood, I think, I don't know what step it was, but I know something came up about her mom big time. And she was like, I've always put my mom on this pedestal and thought she was like a goddess, but in all actuality, like that's where my trauma is. So it's like she was shielding it with that, you know? So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of work to be done um, for her if she's willing of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm kind of just like leading by example you know and yeah. i kind of wanted to get into a little bit before we run out of time the impact that 
I know I'm having on my children doing this healing work, you know, and your, I want your opinion and your perspective on, you know, us as parents, when we have this trauma and we're carrying it with us and we're not doing the healing work, like what does that look like when you're trying to raise kids? And what's the opposite of that? You know, like what happens when you do start doing the healing work? What kind of mother could you be? Really, really great question. You know, it's one of my deepest passions is working with mothers because I'm all about, you know, actually truly breaking the cycle mm-hmm. exactly of pain, of generational trauma. And it requires, you know, not just therapy. What I talk about is, you know, three conscious practices. So it's the, you know, the inquiry or the therapeutic approach, which is about unraveling our story mm-hmm. that we're attached to. It's working with the embodied approach because even, you know, I mean, you may have heard people have been to talk therapy or therapy for 20 years and they're still yeah. holding pain, Absolutely. right? So there's only so much that we can do if we're working with the mind. Mm-hmm. We have to get into the body and we have to be able to release it cellularly. Yes. You know, they say the issues are in our tissues. Oh, and I haven't so, heard that one. Yeah. I love it. And, and so, you know, being able to release that cellularly. And then I work with the, the third approach is the karmic approach, which is more that spiritual or consciousness approach of the wholeness that lives within us. Mm-hmm. If we look at our original trauma, it's a belief in our separation from creation, God, God of your understanding, whatever that is for each individual. Yeah. And when we work with that holistic approach with all three, miracles happen. We really do, do truly set ourselves free from the pain that we're holding. And so as a mother, you know, it oftentimes I'll, I'll talk about, you know, the guilt or some of these things that as, as mothers, and we start to develop some awareness mm-hmm. of the behaviors in which we might show up or, or act in a certain way, or we're triggered in a certain way. And we have an, an awareness that we don't want to act in that way. Yeah. First of all, that's key awareness without that, you know, change doesn't happen choosing our healing where we're working in that holistic approach, mm-hmm. knowing that even like guilt or shame that comes up as a parent is actually a really useful emotion when we can dive into it and mm-hmm. work with it because guilt is like, you know, we're, it, it's like as if we're moving in the world, not aligned with our truest values. And 100%. we feel guilty about that. Right. Yeah. So it's actually a really great emotion because it's can help us navigate back to what's really true for us. The shame, the same thing. If it's you know, if you feel shame about maybe some of the ways in which we've we've parented, it's a really again useful emotion. And and again, those emotions, there's always 100 percent of the time a gift on the other side but we have to learn how to work with emotions somatically otherwise they just they either get stuffed or we're constantly processing them yeah you um, just so made like a, a direct example pop in my head with that with like when i yell at my daughter and instantly feel guilty here the beautiful gift does come because i can say gosh i'm so sorry i yelled at you blue mm-hmm. and just repair it like that yeah. moment right there is the gift because mm-hmm. not only am I admitting that I make mistakes to my daughter, you know, she, I'm modeling that for her, but I'm also like building the relationship with her, you know, the bond even stronger. So I yeah. love that. I never yeah. thought about it that way either. I always thought it was just like a negative thing. Mm, it's only negative if we're, emotions are only ever negative if we're stuffing them. Because even when we, when we stuff emotions, let's say, you know, people stuffing their anger mm-hmm. at some point, it's kind of like, oftentimes they use that analogy. It's like holding a beach ball underneath the water. Yeah. And at some point it's going to implode or explode. Yeah. So even when we stuff any emotion, it comes out in a way that is more destructive or hurtful. Yeah. But actually anger is also a beautiful emotion, mm-hmm. you know, that it's a really great for setting boundaries it's a, it's another alert in our body that something doesn't feel right. You know, this feels, yes. that's why when I look at like the therapeutic approach, embodied approach and the karmic approach is that on that embodied approach is we all need to learn how to feel again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I actually think that's something that every human on the planet needs to learn how to do. 
Yes, me too. You know, to how do we actually not just constantly process our emotions or stuff them? How Mm do we actually allow ourselves to feel them in a way where we can receive from them? Because there's not a single emotion that is bad. It's, you know, oftentimes we say it's like emotion, it's energy in motion. Something wants to be held. Something wants to be understood. Something wants to be integrated when we have some of these emotions that are swirling around and, you know, coming to the surface. Would you say that somatic work like really can teach you how to feel it in your body? And because I know the first time I started learning about somatics, it was like, oh, I can feel that in my chest. And I never noticed it before that until you actually pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's beautiful. And, you know, through the TASA method, which you had mentioned um, mm-hmm. earlier, you know, I often talk about three conscious, the, the three conscious practices, because we need them all. You know, lots of times we, you know, people start working with somatics and maybe some things come to the surface, you know, even in breath work, it's quite, you know, it's, yes. it's an amazing tool, but, you know, that can crack people open and then they don't know what to do with it. Exactly. Right. So then, yeah. you know, we need that holistic approach in order to really you know work with our our healing or conscious healing or conscious evolution just to rewind a bit because i know it's easy to get off track with this stuff it's like you can just talk about i'm like so interested in emotions now i want to go on with that but i want to i want to yes i want to go back to that like what impact does that have on your children when you do the healing work we get to raise children that know their place and their purpose in the world right that are able to you know really listen to the messages that their body has for them yes you know to really connect to their own inner authority and autonomy Mm -hmm. you know to feel confident in in who they are you know how does that equate it's like there's less peer pressure less you know being pulled down a path you know, over here. So some of the, the things with my children, I remember my, my oldest, he's six foot four. Oh my know, gosh. And so he's, you know, he's a really big stature, <laughs> athletic kind of guy. And he feels like a guy guy, you know, yeah. like he's this, this a certain strength. He's um, a man. <laughs> yeah. And I remember he was in grade seven and they did this day where the kids had to get up in front of the, the class and talk about what's a good day and what's not a good day. Hmm. And he got up and he said, you know, well, it's not a good day if I am stuck on YouTube and just, you know, scrolling through. And it's a good day if I'm accomplishing things, maybe even doing chores or da da da. And kids laughed at him. It's the teacher even laughed at him. Wow. And, you know, I went in and I talked to them and and I said, you know, he's just like every other kid. Yeah thing that's different because he does get sucked in you know to youtube or electronics right yeah and he doesn't come home saying oh let me do the dishes or let me vacuum that's not the thing but the difference between my kids is that they have an awareness of what feels good in their body Mm, so they knew that as much as he gets sucked into youtube like everyone else he has an awareness that that doesn't feel good in his body even if he's doing it and what feels good is when he is, you know, accomplishing some things that, you know, yeah. are are either supportive of of where the direction he wants to go, or maybe even supportive of, you know, in service to the family as a whole. Right. So how did you teach him that? How did you teach him how to feel it in his body? It's, you know, through the practice of meditation mindfulness, wow. but also inquiry. So, you know, days where they would be, I didn't have cable. I homeschooled m- most of the years with my kids, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and ran businesses, but, and, and I didn't have television. I, I turned that off when I was 18. I never subscribed wow. to it again. That's so awesome. I still don't have it. And so I remember getting, when my oldest was about eight, we got a TV the place we were living just had cable already hooked in and <laughs> they were watching it. And, the, you know, it'd have these moments of mom, 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 I want to watch this, that, and, you know, the kids are just like TV, TV, TV. Yeah. And I'd let them watch it. And everyone was just in a horrible mood afterwards. Right. Or sometimes I'd be, 
you know, okay, let's do a family cleanup. It's time to like get everyone together and let's do this, this, and this and be, no, I don't want to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. like all the things that normal kids do, Mm -hmm. but afterwards they would all be in such a great mood. Yeah. That's so true. I can not. Yeah. So not only did I just give them practices that allowed them to connect to that part of their body to the Mm -hmm. witnessing of what's actually going on, but then I would use inquiry. Like, mm, it's not funny. Why do you think that, you know, here it's like, I want to watch TV. And then everyone, because they're aware that everyone's in a bad mood afterwards. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in a grumpy mood. Why do you think that is? And yet, you know, I say, let's do a cleanup. And everybody's, no, no, no. And then look at the moods you guys are in. Yeah. So we'd use inquiry to help them witness it. Right. Because of what happens when mom tells us. Yeah. They don't hear it the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but if actually- we give them tools that are connecting them to their own body, their own felt sense, their own inner voice of wisdom, their own intuition. And then we use inquiry, it helps them see what and make sense maybe even of what they're already feeling. Yeah, definitely. That's so interesting. I can't wait to like practice some of this stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. On my on my website, there is a blog that's called I think it says six ways to teach mindfulness to your children okay that's and great so yeah there's a, a blog on there look that up and get the link that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm definitely working on that with with my daughter especially teaching her all of these things so <clears throat> i feel like she's hearing it but i want i want to go deeper i think it's time she's eight i think i could definitely go deeper with teaching her more about meditation and calming her body because sometimes she'll have these moments and she'll tell me, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I just feel bad in my body and, and I don't know what to do with it. And she's just like overwhelmed and she's like moving around all, you know what I mean? She's like, oh, I, you know, like that little kid, like when they're just like at their yeah. left, you know? So mm-hmm. if she's already aware of that, then. Yeah. And, and what you can do then as, as a mom is like meet her there without trying to fix it. Right. Without even trying to, you know, understand it too much, but just, uh-huh. oh, I, I really hear you, honey. Tell me more about that. And like the more that you can just be, so remember nervous systems, we regulate mm. off each other. So the more that you could just drop in and really meet her and really see yeah. her in that moment, the more, and, and use some inquiry, like, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, where in your body, and if she comes up with a a part of a body, you know, body part, sorry, you can just ask her to, "Mm, what what does that sensation feel like? Maybe is Mm -hmm. there a color? Like you can ask her to anything that you can do to bring her awareness deeper into her body. Or if someone, you know, if a a kid knows they're angry, it's like, I'm Mm -hmm. angry, you know, help them. I really hear that you're angry. Where are you feeling that most in your body? So as much as we can bring back the awareness Mm -hmm. into the body, that's really going to help them, you know, start listening further into what that is. And you can even say, what does, if that, once they've located it in the body, Mm -hmm. you know, what would, if that anger had a voice, what would it want to say? Oh, that's right? a good one. Because then it allows them to give that, it allows them to not identify with the anger. Yeah, it's separate. It's a part of them that feels angry and the anger gets a voice. Yes. How many times for us did our anger not get a voice? Right. You were like mm-hmm. spot on with that. And she'll yeah. she'll actually say that too. She'll say like, I'm just so angry right now. And she's very vocal about like her emotions and how she feels, you know, so it's, it's a learning curve for me because I'm learning everything for the first time myself, how to manage my emotions, you know, yeah. and I still make mistakes and I'm still like, oh my gosh, I didn't handle that right. Cause she, she's modeling everything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she'll act just way out of character. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's acting just like me. Like, you know what I mean? When you see it in your kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I say that all the time. And you just start seeing all these little things that they take on and it really just motivates me and reminds me of how much work I've done thus far and how much more I still, you know, continue to do and grow. And, and she's just like on the journey with me at this point, we're learning. Yeah. (laughs) That's so great. That's so great. And And then I I really acknowledge you with the awareness and your ability to see and, and 
you know, and to continue to learn how to align more with those values and how you want to be with her, to be with yourself, to be in the world. Yeah. So really acknowledging that. Yeah, there's there's so much more to dive into, but we only have an hour. So yeah. I don't want to let you go. I honestly don't. <laughs> like your energy is amazing. And I feel like I could talk to you forever. And I I know we're going to connect again after this, whether it's retreat or like the parent coaching stuff. I'm super into that and always open for advice because sometimes we're struggling over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, and I can't wait to learn more about you through your website. And I'm following you on Instagram now. So be on the lookout. We're going to be connecting. Okay. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, yeah, actually share your Instagram or where everyone can find you here. Yeah. So well, my website is theothersideofaverage.com and on Instagram, it's at the other side of average. Same with on Facebook, it's at the other side of average. Perfect. So the yeah. other side of average. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it was really just, you know, this place of how average, you know, that my upbringing was the pain mm-hmm. that I was carrying, the you know, the trauma that we see in the world and, you know, the tools that I teach and that I've practiced has allowed me to meet those in a place that was on the other side of average. Yeah. And really integrate them. You have done some beautiful work and have helped so many people. And I'm I'm proud of you, even though we just met, I feel <laughs> like this sense of pride and and I'm just so happy that you're teaching this work because it needs to more people need to be talking about yeah. it. You know, and mm-hmm. I just love when I meet other people in the coaching industry and they know about somatics and the body and like what that really does. It's it's just beautiful to connect with you. So thank you. Mm, thank you. All right. Yeah, and all the work tonight. that you're doing in the world to share this out. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah it's, yeah. it's it's such a fun journey. I'm absolutely loving it because I get to meet people like you and learn so much, you know, amazing things and in my own life and all the listeners that reach out to me and they're just so grateful for, for these episodes. So we're going to keep it going for sure. It's been an awesome, awesome journey so far. It's only been a few months too. So Great. Oh, well, I'm glad that I got to connect with you at the beginning of your journey of this podcast stuff. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much. Great. Well, thank you. Bye everyone. Thank you. See you on the next episode. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.